A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello, I'm Tim Farron and welcome to the show which delves into the mucky business of politics through the eyes of Christians. You might think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin. Well, of course, you would be right. But then again, so is everything else. And I think we should be praying in an informed way for our brothers and sisters who operate in the world of politics. Today, we'll be joined by Ian Blackford, who recently stepped down as leader of the Scottish National Party in Westminster. We'll get his insight into five years and a hugely pressurised role and his decision to step down. We'll also get his take on the leadership race for the Scottish First Minister following the resignation of Nicola Sturgeon. And that is something I would like to touch upon now. Laura Koonsberg of the BBC has suggested that Nicola Sturgeon's decision to resign will alter the political landscape across the UK. Nicola Sturgeon was a capable and formidable leader and has dominated Scottish politics in recent years. Labour believe they now have a greater chance of success in Scotland at the next general election, perhaps winning back seats they desperately need if they have any hope of pursuing a majority government across the UK. On the other side, some Conservatives believe that the threat of Sturgeon leading Scotland to independence has held the Unionist coalition together and this may now fall apart. The leadership contest to replace Nicola Sturgeon is therefore something we should all pay attention to, even if we don't live in Scotland and whether we support the union or not. And for Christians, there is an added interest as Kate Forbes has just announced her candidacy for the role. Kate is currently Cabinet Secretary for Finance and the Economy in the Scottish Government, and she is unashamedly a Christian. You can listen to my interview with her on episode 29 of this show back in 2021. She also features as a case study in our new book, also called A Mucky Business. Kate's Christian faith has led to some vocal opposition to her candidacy. The media is again consumed with questions about whether someone with a faith can hold high office in our political system, and even whether Christians should be allowed to bring our views into the public square at all. It's okay to hold a faith, it seems, so long as we treat it as a private hobby that has no bearing on anything we actually think, say or do. Of course, this position is ridiculous. Everyone has a moral framework that they bring into their decision making. It's extremely silly to say that atheists and secularists can bring their worldview into the room, but Christians can't. But given the inconsistency of this position, why is it such a persistent idea amongst atheists and secularists? Why are people so suspicious of Christian engagement? Well, firstly, it's important to remember that the Church of England is seen to hold a highly privileged position in society. The king is the head of the church. There are bishops in the House of Lords. There are many state-run faith schools. And whilst many Christians feel that holding a faith is a disadvantage, perhaps opening them up to mockery, discrimination and hostility, We need to be aware that those without a faith find it hard to understand why an established church persists when most people don't define themselves as Christian. Secondly, Christianity contradicts today's dominant individualistic worldview that encourages us to choose, create and defend our own identities. We believe instead that we do not belong to ourselves, that we have been saved by God's redeeming grace, offered to us through Jesus and revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. We believe that we are compelled to forgive others, to love others sacrificially, even to love our enemies. 
In many ways, this does indeed make us weird. To hold to what the Bible teaches on how we live our lives will always be countercultural. If Christians seem strange to others, even offensive, well, that is kind of the idea. Then there is the secular view that religion is simply a means of seeking control and dominance over the lives of others, an idea that sadly has often been perpetuated by the behaviour of those calling themselves Christian over the centuries and across the globe. As Christians, we know that following Jesus contradicts every human worldview. But the challenge to us in the face of hostility is to seek to live out our faith authentically, to be less defensive about what we believe and to radically love our communities. Let's remember that when we are let's remember that when we are treated badly, our response is not to complain about being cancelled. It's to turn the other cheek It's to keep on behaving counterculturally with humility, gentleness and patience. We can show that instead of the daft caricature of Christians being oppressed and controlled, it is truly liberating to be so overwhelmed by God's love and grace that we choose to follow Christ and display these qualities in our dealings with others. Let us show by our lives that the love on show in the Bible is not soppy and saccharine. It is practical and radical, and it is nearly always self-sacrificial. It quenches every thirst and satisfies the deep and indescribable yearning within us all. Let's seek to live out this kind of love to our neighbours and critics. And let's be praying for the SNP leadership election, for a clean campaign, for wisdom for voters and integrity among the candidates. And let's pray for Kate Forbes as she faces such a personal onslaught against her faith and her motivations, for God's strength and support from those close to her as she steps into the fray. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. And so to this week's guest. Ian Blackford is the MP for Ross, Guy and Lochaber and has been since 2015. And he served as the Scottish National Party's leader in Westminster between 2017 and last year, 2022. Ian, it is an absolute pleasure to have you back with us. It's, uh, I'm, just, it's, I'm thrilled to be on with you, Tim. Thanks very much for the, the invitation to come back. Well, it's the first time we've had you um, on the show since you stepped down as the SNP's leader in Westminster. You had a good uh, five years in that position. Um, from, a, from a Christian perspective, how did, it, how did you manage to marry that time as, as leader with, with serving as a, as a faithful Christian? Yeah, I think for, for anybody being in leadership, and you've been there, Tim, it can bring its own pressures. I think for me, probably the biggest thing was just the logistics of my life, uh, living in the Isle of Skye and recognising that I was going to have to be down in Westminster often on a Monday early on and to quite late on in the week. Um, just the, the sheer trials of travelling, because I live, as you know, three and a half hours from an airport. There are not many flights from Inverness to London. And, and that meant, um, sadly, and it's something that I, I did regret, that um, Sundays were intruded upon. Mm. Um, and so that, that could be difficult. Sundays are, are important to us. But I recognised I had that responsibility that more often than not I had to leave on a Sunday. That would often mm. mean leaving quite early in the day. So mm. that was something that I, that I particularly regretted. And actually, it's one of the benefits of having stood down that to a large extent, I've got Sundays back again. So the things that we would do as a family, just the, the fact of going to church and so on, um, is, is an important part. So in essence, although there are aspects that I will, I will, I will miss of the job of not being leader, but to some extent, I've got my, I've got my life back again and to, to be able to celebrate the things that I want to celebrate, particularly on a Sunday. 
And so there's the time as leader, there's the time not being leader, and you've given yes. a, bit of a picture there about uh, the benefits, shall we say, the, the, the bit of the life that you get back. But then there's also that often quite um, painful process of ceasing to be leader, the yeah. point where you choose not to run again for the leadership and somebody else ends up taking the role. How was that transition? How did it come about and how do you feel about it? Well, let's be blunt. I mean, we, we, we all know there are always people when you when you serve in office uh, what what the role that you have. If I can if I can put it that way. So I knew that uh, there were going to be some challenging days ahead of me. I had a, a conversation with the then first minister about what to do. I, I could have stood. We have a the system in the SNP is you put you forward self forward for re-election every year. So I chose not to. But I think one of the, the main reasons that I did that, Tim, is because I discussed with the First Minister that I would take up this role for her, her business ambassador. It's something that actually really excites me because um, I, I want to take time to get out and speak to people in the business community, listen to them, talk to them about what we are seeking to do as well. But one of the things I'm passionate about is making sure that we can deliver for people, that we can grow the economy in a sustainable way, um, in particular benefit from the opportunities of green energy. So actually today I'm kicking off a green industrial strategy. Mm. So the things that I'm passionate about, in, in, in a way, uh, and it might sound a strange thing to say, I, I could be more effective in this role than arguably I, I was when I was turning up at Prime Minister's questions every Wednesday to seek to hold the, the Prime Minister to account. So it's a it's a new departure, it's different, um, but but something actually I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited about. And I know that my wife said to me actually last weekend that she feels that she's got the old Ian back again, that mm-hmm. the, the weight which is on your, your, your shoulders of being leader, the responsibilities that you have have been taken away. I know that's true to some extent with the First Minister actually. So actually I'm I'm in I'm in a good place and, and, and looking forward to all the all the challenges that I have in front of me. I remember something that people said to me for quite a few months, if not a year or two, after I stepped down as leader in my patch. They said, we, we, they said we're so glad that you're back. They think, yes. well, did you think I'd gone away? But, <laughs> but it, I think there is that sense of where are where are your priorities and where's your heart? The green industrial yeah. strategy which you are launching, I mean, it, it's it obviously is a it's a it's a big piece of work, it's an important piece of work, something you're passionate about. And hopefully you using the authority that you have means that you can get a hearing for something which is very significant for all of our futures. Well, yeah, so let's kind of step back from that a wee bit because I'm going to announce today who I'm who I'm working with um so i'm going to be working with sir martin donnelly who was the perm secretary at bays in a number of government roles more recently president of boeing together with uh, professor dominic holder someone i know very well so you know good people um people that are passionate themselves about making sure that we that we deliver that industrial future which i think is so important but you know what i'm going to be doing is i'm meeting industrialists meeting academics finance people people in government as well Everybody has a shared objective of, of, of wanting all of our countries to, to achieve the best they can. So I think what you do when you do something like this, you get an extraordinary level of, of, of buy-in. And what we will do when we get to June, so it's quite a tight time, tight timely, we will publish a number of recommendations and let's see where it goes. But I hope that we have an informed discussion on the, on the way ahead out of all of this. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. We're talking to Ian Blackford, the former leader of the SNP at Westminster, the Member of Parliament for Ross, Sky, and Lacaba. 
Well, Ian, the person who gave you that business role and who you served alongside as the leader of the party in Westminster, of course, is Nicola Sturgeon, um, who is the first minister of Scotland and has announced her resignation as leader of the SNP and therefore as as first minister. In a very moving speech, she talked about a number of her motivations for stepping down, one of which was citing the the kind of brutality of frontline politics. Do you have sympathy with what Nicola said? I do. I mean, she's someone that uh, you know I've watched uh, grow as a politician, watched her as first minister. She's a very good friend of mine as well, and I know the kind of challenges that that she's faced. That everybody in, in public life faces over the course of the last few years. Of course, she had to lead Scotland through the COVID pandemic. We had the the challenges of the the, the Alex Salmon case. Um, everything which has gone on since then, the, the fact that we've got the cost of living crisis and so on. And I think it's fair to say that women politicians um, r- right across the space do tend to suffer from a higher level of abuse than, than we do as, as male politicians, particularly in, in social media. And I think all of us, right across party, right across public life, journalists, have got a responsibility to, to call this out. I've, I've, I've said, and I know you and I have discussed this previously, Tim, that I don't think our our political discourse is in a good place. And I do worry as a consequence of that as to whether we're actually inhibiting good people mm-hmm. to want to come and stand for, for public office. We have to do better. Um, if, if I may use the phrase, we are in, in, this, in this case, we are all in this together. Mm-hmm. And whilst many of us, particularly in the chamber, m- might disagree on matters of, of policy, and, and of course we should debate that robustly, we've got to treat each other with respect. I think one of the things I will say about Christians in Parliament is that there is a, a fraternity that exists in, in, in Christians in Parliament. I think actually a lot of us do support each other, and that's extremely welcome. Um, but we've need, we need to make sure that that extends right across our, our, our political life. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned something then, which I think it's important we perhaps uh, test, which is the, the fact that women in, in politics do absolutely tend to be um, more likely to be treated in a brutal way. And I I, I guess for for our listeners, I would encourage them, just spend 10 minutes looking at the timelines of 10 random male politicians and 10 random female politicians and see if you can spot the difference in terms of the volume and the nature of the abuse that they get. Um, So, yes, you're right. As Christians in uh, in Parliament, we're, we're to model... The gospel, aren't we? I hope you won't mind me saying this because it was a private meeting, but I and there was a number of us there. But you were sat next to Ian Paisley, if we can call him Ian Paisley Jr., (coughs) member of parliament. Um, I'm guessing your politics are really quite different to one another. And I just noticed a genuine friendship between the two of you, and and I thought it was a really great witness, if nothing else. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, in a personal level, I like Ian, but actually, I've, I've got a very good friendship with with Jeffrey Donaldson and Jeffrey mm. Donaldson actually some time ago did an interview with the Belfast Telegraph and he, he was asked who his friends were in, in politics and he said Conor McGinn from the Labour Party because you and I know comes from an Irish uh, nationalist background and, and, and myself and, and Jeffrey explained that we may have different views but we, we get on and I, I very much enjoy his company we did a radio programme together actually quite quite recently uh, Frenemies is one, one that you'll know mm. And, and I think it is important that we leave our differences at the door. We're people, we're human beings. And actually, a lot of us will have 
quite a lot in common, uh, irrespective of our, of our political differences. And I think there is a responsibility on, on, on all of us to, sh to show that side of things, uh, yeah. Tim. We're not, we're not enemies. We don't dislike each other. We, I may dislike the things that the Tories do, um, but my responsibility is to make sure that we hold them to account um, and that we, that we achieve a, a, a better future. But you don't dislike people because of their politics. No, indeed. And, and if Christianity is true, then these things that we're debating day by day, they matter, um, yeah. but they're not all important. And uh, there is an eternity against which this is all all set. We are obviously now in the midst of or the beginning of the SNP's leadership contest. And in the last day or so, we've seen people announcing their candidacy. Of course, our friend Kate Forbes has also been a guest on this show, uh, launched her campaign, very impressive start. And then uh, in the last few hours, if you like, under questioning, but I think with a very um, honest and straightforward answer, has um, said that, for example, on issues to do with sexuality, she would have voted against same-sex marriage in the Scottish Parliament had she been an MSP at the time. And there's obviously a lot of pushback against that. Do you, do you think Kate is handling this, this well and wisely? Do we think we, um, well, first, how could we be praying for her? Well, I think we should be praying for Kate and everybody that, that, that stands for elected office, Tim. I mean, I know all the the candidates. Um, we are a we are a family. We're all friends, and my my one hope is that we that we have a an honest and an open debate about all of the issues. Um, I mean, Kate and I have spoken about these things uh, over the course of the the recent past, and I guess she has to think about how she wants to how she wants to handle these things. Um, I, I probably take a slightly different view than, than, than some others might take. Uh, I, I mean, for me, my faith is important. It, it shapes who you are. But you're always facing this, this question, but how, do you, how do you align your, uh, your faith to the responsibility that you have as, a, as an elected politician to represent all your constituents? And, 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 and I guess you, you, you have to sort of think through and all these moral issues where you stand. For, 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 for me, I actually take the view that, uh, let, me, let me express it this way, that God's church is open to everybody, uh, regardless of their, their sexuality. I mean, I've got within the SNP in Westminster, as you'll know, um, a, a number of, of, of gay and lesbian parliamentarians, a number of them are actually Christians. And I feel very strongly that the church must be a place of refuge for people to come to for sanctuary, and that we're all we're all God's children. We don't judge anybody else. It's God that judges all of us. And what I'm getting to with all of that, personally, I I actually think we should celebrate the opportunities for gay and lesbian people to be able to have uh, same-sex partnerships, same-sex marriage. Uh, I accept that that's a, a robust debate in the in the church community. Um, but I guess all of us have to sort of think through uh, how do we how do we evaluate our issues of of faith in terms of the society that we that we live in today. And I guess, I mean, Kate would also, I think, say that she also very strongly agrees the church is open to everyone, but she seeks to be faithful to what the Bible, the Bible teaches. And it, when you look at her answers, um, she gives that very honest and open and um, you know, maybe damaging answer to her personal career prospects, who we'll wait and see. But she then goes on to say that as a legislator, 
she's not going to change the clock back. She respects no. the law and treats people as equals. So do you think that those answers are going to be good enough? Do you think her opponents will be able to resist the temptation to use her faith as a stick to beat her with? I I, I don't believe that um, her, her opponents would, would, would behave in, in, in that kind of way. I mean, there is a question of how she'll be how she'll be judged with other people. I think, you know, when when we kind of step back from this and you think you look at the issues of respect for minorities of a different kind, of course, one of the things that we should emphasise in that is the, the the rights of those of us that have faith as well, to be able to celebrate that and to, to express our views. Um, and I think I take a slightly different position that, that Kate does in this. She needs to think through what she wants to say and how she wants to face up to this. But I would say to 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 anybody that's involved in this debate is that everybody has to be treated with respect. Mm. Um, and we, we must respect the, the decisions that, 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 that people take. And of course, those voting in the election will weigh up all sorts of things when they decide who they want to vote for, whether it's, uh, whether it's any of the, the, the three candidates that are so far declared, who knows others may come forward as well. That's right. Um, but I hope, I hope that what we have is, uh, is an informed debate about all of the, all of the matters that the, the membership of the SNP will consider before they cast their votes in this election. I wonder, when looking at some of the reactions to the things that Kate has, has said, she's explained how her, her faith uh, influences how she thinks on, on these these matters. Uh, it, 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 there seems to be a lack of curiosity as to why a person might have such countercultural views and not be a hateful person. And I don't see very many people looking beyond that. Do you think maybe by Kate being very upfront very early, she actually might invite people then, once they've let their anger settle, if they are angry with what she said, um, to maybe ask some questions as to what on earth might it be that might make somebody believe and live in such a countercultural way? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And it's, it's hard to answer. I mean, you've got, I suppose, that, issue of people being allowed to have their own views on on these matters for reasons of faith or any other um and they have the right to express them in in a way in a respectful way that they that they see fit i guess the issue for us if, if i take let's take scotland because we're obviously talking about in the context of the the scottish parliament it is it is a matter of law um i i personally think it's right that people have that ability to engage in same-sex marriage uh, there, there's a separate question, of course, about the uh, the views of each individual church and each individual minister in terms of what they do and all of that. But I think as a society, we should celebrate the the changes that have that have taken place. And I want, and I've discussed this with many people in my own church. I want the church to be a place that those of of all sexualities can find can find a space to come and worship and to be at peace with God's grace. And I think that's the way that I would that I would probably express it to. I guess as we um, come to a, a conclusion on our, our time together, uh, what, one thing I would reflect on, um, and uh, it's probably best that I do it, is that what Kate Forbes has done is set her uh, her plans from the beginning to answer that question in a very straightforward way, and yeah. which I don't think I did, and and she doesn't, she never looks surprised by it, and so I think if you are truthful and upfront with people earlier on. If they choose to walk away from you, then that is their, their choice. But to to be clear is something I think is to be is to be valued. But um, no, definitely, definitely. I think we all all of us need to have honesty, uh, faith, trust, integrity in politics. And I mean, if if there are things that you believe, then you have to 
you have to be able to stand up and, and, and say that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't 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 look at don't look evasive. I think that's no. the number one no. lesson. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I agree with you. Total blessing to have you with us. Thank you very much indeed for sharing about your time as leader, what you're doing now, your thoughts on uh, Nicola Sturgeon, Kate Forbes and the and the contest, which we will watch with interest. And um, uh, we're always blessed by your fellowship and by having you with us. Take care, Ian. And you. Thanks very much, Tim. Each week, we give you the opportunity for you to ask any question you'd like about this mucky business of politics. It may be how an aspect of this world impacts us Christians who work within it, or maybe there's a particular issue that you're struggling to make sense of. Well, I'd love to hear from you and attempt an answer. Now, I must add that my pot of questions is a little bit smaller than it has been. So please drop me an email to farron at premier.org.uk and top it up for me. There's a strong chance I will be answering it on an episode over the next few weeks. Well, this week, Jenny from Devon has been in touch and she asks this. She says, there's been news that the Church of England is considering giving God gender neutral pronouns in order to be more inclusive. We are told as a society that we are allowed to choose our own pronouns, presuming that God chose his own pronouns when the Bible was God breathed. Shouldn't we be respecting God's choice of his pronouns? That's a a good, uh, light, topical uh, question, Jenny. I think, first of all, throughout the Bible, God is described as as male. There are, however, let's remember this, places within the Bible where God has maternal characteristics ascribed to him also. So we should be mindful that when we think of God as male, we don't think of him quite as as we might think of, of, a, of a human male. We are, we are thinking about somebody who is a supernatural, all-powerful being um, and is not like us. Nevertheless, I think the fact that church is talking about these things, to be inclusive is good, um, but to be faithful to the word of God is even better. And I suspect that all these debates, well, never mind, I suspect, I'm certain, that debates of this kind within the Church of England are not really about gender or inclusivity at all, really. They're about whether or not the church thinks that the Bible is God's word and whether people in the church think they know better than God what is or isn't in the Bible. I think we can all rest assured God knows better. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, thanks for being with us. Let's end our time together in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we lift up to you Turkey and Syria, the peoples of those countries uh, afflicted by the earthquakes. Uh, Another one just in the last day absolutely heartbreaking to think of all those who have lost their lives so we lift them up to you we pray you'd have mercy upon those who have passed away we pray for those uh, who have survived that you would provide for them comfort in their grief uh, the things they need to meet their basic daily needs uh, warmth and food and water and medical assistance and we just pray for the international effort to help Syria and Turkey to not be hampered by either further earthquakes or political barriers of any kind whatsoever. Uh, Lord, we pray for your church in Syria and Turkey, that they would stand firm for you and be a powerful witness to your truth and your sovereignty and your love. And Lord, we just pray for our sister Kate Forbes as she puts herself forward to be the leader of the SNP and next First Minister of Scotland. We pray that you'd help her to be faithful to you. We thank you for um, the clarity of her faith. Uh, we pray for her faith to be strengthened. We bless her and her family, those around her. 
I pray you'd strengthen her. If people walk away from her, may she remember that you have not walked away from her and never will. May your will be done. May you protect her from uh, her faith being used as a stick to beat her with. And may you give her resilience throughout all of this. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch up on past episodes which feature interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash A Mucky Business. See you soon.